Well, it, it is such an honor to be here with you today. Thank you so much for the, the invitation to come and to share God's word with you. This is actually my, my very first time ever being at Christ Church. And so as I was preparing to come here this week, I, of course, went to Google Maps to look up directions, but, but nowadays these navigational websites, I mean, they tell us so much more than just how to get somewhere, right? Through, through Street View, I was able to actually visit your entrance. I was able to look around your auditorium. Like, I think if I had poked around long enough, I could have figured out where the restrooms were. <laughs> have any of you ever looked up your own house on Street View on Google? Okay, some of you, if you haven't, you probably need to go home and do that. Okay, don't do it right now, please. But you need to go home and do that. Um, but I figured since I creeped on your house all week that it was only fair that I show you mine. And so here's a, a picture of my town home. It's only about 35 minutes away from here. And uh, Google Maps told me that this picture was taken in September of 2022. And I kind of wonder, was I home at the time? I mean, I didn't see the van taking a picture of my house, but, but, but it's pretty cool and, and also maybe a little bit creepy, right? <laughs> but one thing I, I didn't know until recently is that Google Maps, the, their street view actually has a time travel feature where, where you can go back and you can look at all the pictures that have been taken of your home during the years. And so I, I clicked on the first picture that was taken of my home and it, it was taken in 2012. And when I saw this picture, I noticed, well, the tree in my front yard is, is a lot smaller, and the truck in my driveway, I have no idea who that is because I wasn't living there at the time. But I discovered something interesting about this time travel feature, and it's that people are using it to actually go back and try to hold on to a moment in time when a lost loved one was captured. People are going and they're, they're viewing the homes of their parents and their grandparents, trying to find some sense of comfort in the pictures. In fact, one uh, person posted a Twitter post. Her name is Sherry and she's in the UK and it racked up over 200,000 likes when she posted this. She says, I look at my mom's old house on Google Maps Street View, the house where I grew up. It says, image captured May 2009. There is a light on in her bedroom. It is still her house. She is still alive. I am still visiting every few months on the train. And that's kind of heartwarming, isn't it? And maybe also a little heartbreaking. I think it speaks to this, this longing that, that we all have inside of us for, for transcendence, for something that extends beyond this life. The writer of Ecclesiastes tells us that he, God, has planted eternity in the human heart. And, and can't you feel that? Like this longing for something beyond your current experience. I think when life gets hard, when we suffer losses. Like we long for some kind of comfort, we long for some kind of meaning, we long for hope, we long for resurrection. And today, as we dig into the scriptures together, I want you to know that Jesus offers you that hope, that he is the resurrection. Today we're gonna to be in the book of John. And of course, this book known as the Gospel of John was written by one of Jesus' closest followers and, and friends. And near the end of the Gospel, John tells us exactly why he took the time to, to write out his own recollection of the story of Jesus. It's found in John chapter 20, and, and, and he says this. He says, but these are written that you may believe 
that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John tells us that that he wrote his book to help us understand who Jesus is and, and so that we might experience life in his name. It's the kind of life that Jesus describes as life and life to the full. It's a life where we live connected to God and and connected to each other as we live out God's purposes in this world. It's an eternal quality of life that we don't have to wait until after we die to start living. It's life in the kingdom of God and it's available to us right now. And John writes because he wants us to believe in Jesus and therefore get to experience this life in his name. And that's why what John tells us in his book is such good news. And let's face it, most of us here today could use some good news, right? I mean, after all, we we have lived through a lot together in the past few years. A global pandemic, economic uncertainty, political chaos, violence in our, in our streets and around the globe. And that's not even counting all the, the things that are more personal. Listen, of course I don't know what you're going through today. But I do know that there, there are people here today who are going through some really hard things. Hard relational things. Hard physical things, hard financial things, hard vocational things hard mental and emotional things. And when life gets hard, we long for some kind of comfort. We long for some kind of meaning. We long for hope. We long for resurrection. Today I wanna tell you a story about three people who who knew what it was like to long for resurrection. And it's a story found in John's Gospel, chapter 11. And it's a story about three siblings, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. As we get started, here's a spoiler alert. It's a miraculous story where Jesus is gonna raise Lazarus from the dead, okay? So if you haven't seen the movie, sorry, I just ruined it for you, (laughs) all right? But what you might not know is that Lazarus is not the only one in this story who experienced a resurrection. John starts the story this way. He says, now a man named Lazarus was sick and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, Lazarus and Mary Martha, they were in Jesus' close like inner friendship circle. And so of course, as Lazarus is sick and, and on his deathbed, Mary and Martha want to, to reach out and send word to Jesus. And no doubt it was a subtle request for, for Jesus to come and heal their brother like they'd seen him heal so many people before. But a curious detail in the story is that when when Jesus receives word about Lazarus, he waits two days before setting off to their home. Now John tells us straight up that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so I don't think we should read indifference or or callousness into this delay. The, The truth is, even if Jesus had left immediately, Lazarus would have still been dead upon his arrival. For you see, where Jesus was uh, in proximation to where the the three siblings lived was about 20 miles. And of course, Mary and Martha, like they didn't send him a text message or an email. They had to actually send someone to, to see Jesus. And these 20 miles would have been considered a full day's journey walking. 
So this messenger comes and Jesus waits two days and then Jesus has to take that, that day-long trek back to Bethany where the siblings live. But we're told that by the time he arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. That means Lazarus likely died shortly after Mary and Martha sent the messenger to Jesus. But even so, if you put yourself in Mary and Martha's shoes, the delay could have seemed hurtful, right? I mean, why not come right away, Jesus? Why wasn't there more a sense of urgency for you to be there? And if we're honest, I think many of us have felt this way in our hard stuff too, haven't we? Like we've wondered, why isn't Jesus showing up? Why isn't he here? I mean, I've experienced that going through seasons when, when, when I was just so overwhelmed and exhausted in ministry, and I've wondered, Jesus, where are you? I mean, I've wondered why, why Jesus wasn't answering my prayers when a 38-year-old friend of mine with four little kids received a, a devastating cancer diagnosis that took her life in just a year. I feel like sometimes every time I, I turn on the news, <laughs> and I see more innocent men and women and children gunned down by senseless violence, I want to say, Jesus, where are you? If you've ever felt angry or, or confused or, or heartbroken when it seems like Jesus is com isn't coming through, I want you to know that you're not alone. But I also want you to know that Jesus hasn't forgotten you. I think this story reminds us that that there might be more happening in a situation than, than we might be able to comprehend. Writer James Baldwin said, the Lord never seems to get there when you want him, but when he arrives, he's right on time. Well, when Jesus does finally arrive, the first person he encounters is Martha. And she's come out to meet him on the road. And Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Now, some people hear in Martha's words an accusation and a request. And, and I guess it could be both, but I actually don't think it's either. I think Martha's words are actually a declaration of her faith. Remember, I told you, there was no way it would have been humanly possible for Jesus to get to, from where he was to, to Bethany. And Martha would have known that. So when she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, I think that it's a statement of her faith in Jesus' power of what could have happened had he been there. Like despite her sorrow that Jesus wasn't there to save, save her brother, she still believes in his power. However, I don't think she believes in it enough to be asking or expecting a resurrection. I mean, later on in the story, when Jesus says to, to move the stone away from the tomb, she'll protest over the stench of the decomposing body. I mean, Martha isn't asking Jesus for a resurrection. She has no thought of a resurrection. And to me, Martha kind of represents the type of person that that engages life mostly with their head. Like in her head, she knows who Jesus is. And there's really nothing, even this, this, this terrible loss that can shake her belief in him. 
And if you're a Martha type, maybe you, you are firm in your belief in Jesus. You have no doubt that he's the son of God, but maybe you've lost some hope in what he could do in your current trials and tribulations. I think Martha had lost hope in her situation. Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise again. And she replies, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. (laughs) Like nothing has shaken Martha's ultimate hope. Perhaps she's just numbed her heart a bit from expecting to see the goodness of God in the present. Have you ever felt that way? Like you believe in Jesus. You know that, that your eternity is secure, but maybe you doubt that he'll come through for you in your current situation. You know, I'm someone that I, I think can fit into Martha's shoes. I tend to be someone who lives in my head And so when hard things come, I can find it easy just to to jump into that rationalization place. If you're like a Martha, maybe you say things to yourself like, you know, you have so much to be thankful for. Buck up. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Or, Or maybe you try to convince yourself that everything happens for a reason. You see, for Martha types, rather than acknowledging our emotions, we find it easier to to stay rational and detached in our heads. Like keep your expectations low. Don't hope for too much. Like, play it safe so that your heart is safe. Of course, keep trusting in Jesus for your future, but maybe don't expect too much of him right now. Can anyone relate? You see, I think that Jesus looked at Martha and he knew that she needed a resurrection. And I love the way that he responds to her because Martha tends to be someone that that lives in her head. Jesus gives her a a bit of a theology lesson. He, He turns to Martha and Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And you see in this powerful I am statement, Jesus meets Martha in her head to try to reach her in her heart. He reminds her that she's, he's not just her hope for the future, he's her hope for the present. He wants her to experience life right now. He is the hope standing right in front of her. Now, of course, Martha isn't the only sister in this story. There's another sister. Not only does Martha have an encounter with Jesus, but her sister Mary does as well. And picking up this story in verse 28, we're told that after she, Martha, had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, while Martha came out to to meet Jesus, Mary stays at home. Like Jesus has to ask to see Mary, and I can't help but wonder if, if for Mary, if her despair over the loss of her brother made it hard for her to get out of bed in the morning. I mean, I wonder if, it, it's not too hard to imagine that in the midst of her grief and, the, and her loss, that she was weary and worn and, and maybe she wanted to be left alone. And maybe you've been through a season like that. 
Or, or maybe you're in a season like that right now. And honestly, it, it took everything in you to get up and get out of the house and, and to be here today. See, in seasons like that, when, when life deals us horrible news or we experience something so devastating, oftentimes we, we do, we just want to retreat and pull back and maybe we, we don't feel like we have the energy to be around anyone. And I wonder if this was the case for Mary. But interesting enough, when, when Jesus calls her, she does get up and she rushes to him. And then John tells us when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, does the words sound familiar? I mean, they do, right? They're the same words that her sister said, same words. But I think there's a, a big difference between how Martha and Mary responded. See, Mary makes no attempt to put a brave face on her sorrow. When she sees Jesus, she falls at his feet. And to me, Mary represents maybe the type of person that's a little more tender-hearted and feels things deeply. If Martha's someone who, who lives in her head, I think Mary is someone who, who lives from her heart. She lives from her heart. And, and if you're a Mary type, you likely too feel things deeply. And it's not just your own sorrows. I mean, anytime anyone that you, you care about, anytime anyone that you love is going through pain, it like cuts you to the heart. Maybe when you turn on the news and you see just all the horrible, hard things happening all over the world, you find it hard not to despair. And you see, I think Jesus looked at, at Mary and he knew that she needed a resurrection. But one thing that I just find so beautiful about Jesus is he knows that, that Mary is different than Martha. So he doesn't offer Mary a theology lesson. No, he offers Mary his tears. John describes it like this. He says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. I wonder what it was like for Mary, you know, to see the, those tears well up in his eyes, to know that, that he saw her and that he was feeling what she was feeling and that he cried as she was crying. And I want you to know this, he does the same thing right alongside of you. The psalmist reminds us that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Well, as Jesus approaches the tomb of his friend Lazarus, John tells us that, that once again, Jesus is deeply moved and he asks that the stone be rolled away. But Martha, continuing to be her rational self, she says, but Lord, by this time there is a bad odor for he's been in there for four days. And, I, and my favorite translations of Martha's words comes from the good old King James Version where, where it says, Martha saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. 
Well, after this exchange with Martha, the stone that was placed across the entrance of the tomb was rolled away, and Jesus looks to the heavens, and in a loud voice, he cries out, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man begins to stir, and he stumbles out of the darkness of the tomb into the light of life, and there is great rejoicing. Can you imagine the celebration? Now, the irony is that the celebrating crowd has no idea that Lazarus' resurrection is actually going to lead to Jesus' death. It becomes the the last straw that convinces the religious leaders that Jesus is too much of a threat and he has to go. But that will be tomorrow's problem. For today, there is great rejoicing for Lazarus was dead and he's now been resurrected. But here's the thing. I think Mary and Martha were resurrected too. For as Lazarus breathed these fresh breaths of life, the future burst into the present. The end of time came into the middle of time. And Mary and Martha, they breathed fresh breaths of Jesus' presence, fresh breaths of Jesus' goodness, fresh breaths of Jesus' power. Jesus became not just their hope for the future, but their hope for today. Theologian N.T. Wright says, Jesus has not just come as we sometimes say or sing from heaven to earth. It is equally true to say that he has come from God's future into the present, into the mess and muddle of the world we know. Friends, what Jesus said to Martha, he says to Mary, he says to Lazarus, he says to you, and he says to me, I am am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is not just an idea. It's not just a concept. It's not just a doctrine. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. My guess is every one of us comes here today with some stench of of hopelessness in some area of our lives. And it stinks. We might even say it stinketh. And sometimes we laugh just to keep ourselves from crying. And I don't know what it might be for you, but it might be a a relationship that feels dead or maybe at best is on life support. And, And you've tried everything you know to do and it feels hopeless. Or, or maybe for you, it, it was something about your vocation and your, your dreams and you had aspirations and you've put in your time and you've worked hard and it, it still feels like you're just at this dead end. Maybe it's some kind of lingering physical challenge or some kind of financial challenge or, or, or maybe it's an addiction that feels like it's slowly killing you. Friends, what I want you to know today is that Lazarus was dead and gone. There's nothing deader than a dead body that has been in a tomb for four days, right? And if Jesus can breathe new life into a dead body that's been dead for four days, he can breathe new life into your relationship. He can breathe hope into your dreams. He can even breathe healing into what feels like it's in rapid decay. 
Theologian Marianne Mai Thompson says, Lazarus represents all who are given life by the one who has and gives life. Jesus raising Lazarus to life is the climactic sign of Jesus' life-giving power, and that is our hope. Life may not look like you thought it would look. And maybe you don't feel right now like you want to feel. But I want you to know today that Jesus is in the business of bringing dead stuff back to life. He is the resurrection. And he's standing before you today offering you hope, offering you himself. In fact, as I close today, if you are able, I want to invite you to stand with me right now. And friends, I don't know what feels dead in your life right now. I don't know what hard things that you might be walking through. But my prayer in this moment is, is that both your head and your heart can hear the hope in Jesus' words as he says to you, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will not die. Do you believe this? If you are in need of resurrection, I wanna ask you and join me today in just putting your hands out like this in a posture to receive. If there's any area in your life that, that you need hope, that you need Jesus, just put your hands out like this and let's invite Jesus as I'm gonna pray over us right now. If you are in need of resurrection, let's go to the one who is the resurrection and the life. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your presence here with us right now. And Jesus, you are so beautiful and so good, so loving, so present. God, I pray for all those who are in need of resurrection that right now by your spirit, you would flood us with a sense of your presence, with a sense of your goodness, with a sense of your power. You are our hope. And Jesus, I know that you are here. You are crying tears with those that are crying tears. You are speaking truth to those who need truth. Help us to open ourselves to you. Thank you for being our hope. Thank you for resurrection. And it's in your powerful, mighty name above all names that we pray. Amen.